Hello, you're listening to Queerio, the podcast about all things queer. I'm Holly. And I'm AJ. A bisexual and a lesbian walk into a podcast room. <laughs> Chatting about everything from culture, history and performing arts to the queer topics nobody is talking about. On this episode of Queerio, you're going to be listening to us talk about two queer historical icons. We don't know who the other person's picked, so we're going to be teaching each other about that person. And we also cover completely random topics like, is calamari an appropriate side dish for pasta? What cartoon characters we fancied while we were growing up? And how many types of avocados there really are? So listen up for some laughs, some queer chat and just some general topics to make you smile today. Hey, here she is. So how, how are you this week then? I'm not, I feel like I've like barely seen you. We've we've been in work at the same time. How but... is that? How is it that we work in the same building, but we've been that busy that I don't think I've actually sat and had a conversation with you all week? <laughs> no, we haven't. We popped out to get lunch today. And yep. I think that's boots the longest I've... <laughs> boots meal deal. Um, but that's the longest I've kind of seen you for what feels like forever, but it's probably only been like a week. But yeah, it's just mad. Yeah, it's been a busy week. Um, I think it's been a, lo- a difficult week for a lot of people, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, to anyone who's maybe listening to this in the future and listening back, it's the week where Boris decided to kind of announce his roadmap. Um, it's kind of the, the weeks after that. It's the aftermath well, Wait, of that. Was, so, that, was that this week? When was that? All the weeks. All the weeks blur into weeks one ago. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a, a really busy week, hasn't it? I think that um, yeah. we're all still sort of reeling from Boris's announcement last week about how we kind of lift lift lockdown and we're all kind of thinking about, you know, when we're going to start entering society. And, you know, that's exciting, but also nerve wracking. So, yeah, I think it's just been a busy week um, and works. our work has been fairly busy this week as well, which, again, I think is probably because a lot of people are feeling anxious about uh, about lockdown easing and how that's going to affect them and their lives no definitely like the one good thing is on my birthday I am now allowed to see one person outside for a coffee <laughs> and we don't have to be Are exercising you? yes yeah that's oh, the day it changes like, you can sit on a bench with some yeah yeah, uh, yeah. With, with a takeaway coffee not like at a coffee shop no, 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 not not a coffee shop, but you can actually, you don't have to be exercising to see someone from outside your household legally outside. <laughs> yeah, well, this lunatic decided to work on a birthday, didn't you, AJ? Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the reason that I've decided not to take my birthday off is because I would be sat at home with no one around on my own all day because there's nothing to do because of lockdown. So at least if I'm in work, I see people. I get to see you. I get to see Joe. I get, we, get, we get to have like a little takeaway lunch. Yeah, socially distanced, obviously. Is, most of the people you probably want to go for a coffee in a park in a bench on a bench would um would be at work. So, but yeah, so I didn't take my birthday off. Anyway, this morning, I think I sent you this in a video because, as Holly mentioned in the last episode, I like to send lots of little videos at random points in the day. Um, and this morning on the way to work, I was really my brain hadn't kicked into gear yet. And I was walking up towards like a level crossing, like a train. I have you know, a confession. A... What? I didn't watch. I didn't watch. Oh my yet. God. What did you, I swear you replied to it though, didn't you? No, I saw that you'd sent me a video and I registered it, but you sent me so many and I was already kind of, my brain was elsewhere oh. and I registered. It was like a video you recorded and I just, I saw your face and I was like, I think my brain literally went, AJ's not at work yet. 
and then I closed the app. Oh my god, how I'm rude! Sorry. How Do rude! I have to watch it now to well, know no, what no. you're about uh, to no, talk about. I can just I can just tell you now then, listeners. Um, I am with you for this because I don't. I have no idea what AJ's about to tell me. So basically, I was walking to work today, and I went a slightly different route, which meant I had to cross like a level crossing, so like where the trains go. And I got to the level crossing and I looked left and right for the trains like I was crossing the road. The barriers weren't down, the <laughs> barriers were up. You don't need to look left and right to cross a train tracks if the barriers aren't down. But my brain was that frazzled this morning. I still stopped and looked left and right in case there was a train coming. Yeah, I do you know what that I have those moments. I mean, I literally the other night I got into the shower and I still had my glasses on and I, I didn't realize until they steamed <laughs> up and I couldn't see anything it's been one of those weeks you know I've it had has. like two hours of sleep a, a, a night this week yeah that's a fun story we'll save that for later in the podcast yeah yeah <laughs> that makes it sound so much worse than it is there's nothing weird there my Holly Holly's my only cat. had two, two hours sleep a night Ooh. oh what I fit what have I been up to no my cat has been in heat she's six months old and she has been frisky and on with nothing with oh I can't but I remember you like you send us videos and she's like just meowing and rolling on the landing <laughs> literally I have never seen anything like it she is she's only six months old bless her she's only tiny and she's just making these little she was the quietest cat we've ever got and she's just making these she's not yowling they're like chirrups they're like and she's just rolling around the floor like our carpet we rent as well so this is not good but our carpet is just covered in cat fur and she just keeps putting herself in this position um and just standing there and it's so I just don't know how to help her I don't She's due for a spay, that'll do, but I just, yeah. I don't know how to help her. She's not far off from how you feel, having, you know, been single for all of lockdown. Oh! <laughs> I think you relate. But actually... Is Asia in heat? <laughs> Is Asia All the in time. Like my cat? Um, Where have we gone with this? I don't know. This was supposed to be a, his- this was supposed to be a history episode. <laughs> It, it still is. It still is. But I just have one more thing I want to bring up before we get into that. Um, okay. This this week, me and Holly found out that we are polar opposites as mm. people in terms mm. of what we enjoy and what we hate. So basically, oh I sent her a TikTok link um, and it was all about, it was this like scientist lady um, talking what? about the pressure <laughs> don't start um talking about how the pressure on mars means that we wouldn't be able to live there because the reduced pressure means reduced boiling point of water which takes it below our body temperature we just, which means that we stop? would boil on mars no but it means that we would boil in mars right okay so what we found from that is holly hates science I don't stop. I don't say I hate science. <laughs> you did. I said that if you're going to send me a TikTok, I expect it to be a funny dance or a cat falling off a sofa. What I got was within two seconds listening about Mars, the planet, and I just no, I was done. I stopped watching. There was, there was, I told her I wasn't watching it anymore. But the, those graphs involved—they're fun. <laughs> you're a loser. You are. I'm not saying people that like science are losers at all. I take that back. But we are different people and we discussed this. I am the English drama art, like to speak foreign languages that I'm not very good at, but it's fun. 
um creativity that that drives me but you like bones not the tv show well you like the tv show but you you also sent me a picture yeah. the other day that was literally trying to detect which bones belong to which mammals and you and you and the nurse at work were just having great fun guessing whether it belonged to a human or a bat and I was literally looking at the picture like no <laughs> Well, no, no, no. We knew which one belonged to a human. Let's just put that out there. That was never in question. But there was nine different there's nine different mammal hands. And do you know what? Joe, the nurse, she was really good. She was like, "That's a porpoise. That's a dolphin." I was like, "How are you knowing this?" And then I found the answers afterwards, and she was right. And it was you're it not was convincing me that this was a great way to spend your time. <laughs> Holly, we're in the third lockdown. Anyway, is a great way to spend your time. <laughs> So Warner Brothers have released that they are releasing this year in 2021, which is what we all need. Let's be honest, Space Jam 2. And Way. it's going to have LeBron. <laughs> Way. And it's going to have LeBron James. And it's going to have Bugs Bunny. And it is this year. So there we go. That is the good news that you needed to carry you through next week. And do you know what? I loved Space Jam 1. Like the, the original one. That was, that was released the year I was born. You weren't even born when that was released, Holly. I still enjoyed it as part of my childhood. Don't come for me. I know. I'm not saying that. And do you know what one I also liked? Kind of off topic, but not. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, I, I never watched that. Oh my God, you need to watch it. It's again, it's half cartoon. Yeah, half cartoon, half real life. And it's got, oh, it's got Jessica Rabbit in it as a cartoon. In like a slinky red dress. This is a hot topic. Cartoons that we fancied as kids. Sounds strange when I put it like that, but <laughs> Kim, Kim Possible, putting it out there, Kim Possible. We spent a bit of our time this week looking into, um, we both picked somebody from LGBTQ plus queer history or someone that interested us. So today what we're going to do is we're going to educate um, the other podcast host about the person that we chose. Um, and we haven't maybe picked people that you would expect. She's doing a robot dance. Seriously, this should we should have done a, a TV show, not a podcast, because this is just gold. So like Holly mentioned, we're going to be looking into queer history today. Um, and I'm going to go first. So I picked William Dorsey Swan. Okay, I've so, not heard of him. Fun name, though. Um, Dorsey Swan, that name, sounds dramatic. It? Dorsey mm. Swan. Double Barrel Always is a winner, though. Yeah, it, re- it really is. So where I got this information from, the references, is Wikipedia. So if anything's wrong, don't at me, because so, <laughs> any- anyone can edit that. Um, there's a nation.com article from 2020 by Channing Gerard Joseph and Natisha Curry, archive specialist at the National Archives in Maryland, um, a blog post that she did as well on rediscovering black history blogs, archives.gov. So yeah, let's get into it. So she's done her research. I, I, I have, I really this like this. It's okay. So basically the first time I heard of him was I was listening to another podcast called Drunk Women Solving Crime. Okay, we know that you like these. If any listeners out there, this is something AJ is a big fan of, um, listening to brutal murders, unsolved, um, all that kind of thing. So if you've got any particularly fascinating ones, send them into Querio so that we can listen. And for me, get really frustrated when they aren't solved. It it literally boils my blood. Do you know what? I love unsolved. I love unsolved things. I, I can't really deal do. with them when they're unsolved. I like to know the end. 
It's like cutting half of the book out. No. Okay, anyway, sorry, interrupt. Tell me about your person. What was his name again? William Dorsey Swan. William Dorsey Swan. Yes. So William was born in 1860 in Maryland in the United States, um, and he was born into slavery. And when basically all the slaves got freed, he was he was freed and he started organizing a series of balls in Washington, D.C. in the 1880s and the 1890s. So kind of like what you see, I imagine, you know, on the Pose program on Netflix, Mm-hmm. It's kind of balls in that sort of like drag balls. <laughs> yeah, I knew what a drag ball was, but uh, I'm glad you clarified it wasn't another kind of ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he started organizing these drag balls in in the 80s and 90s of the 1800s. And he's like the, the ball, first... honey. Come to the ball. He is the first known person to dub themselves as a queen of drag. So as we would now know them, drag queens. So he's the first recorded person to ever call themselves a drag queen. I mean, I'm sure there was probably people before him, but obviously it's not been recorded. So most of the people who did attend these balls were other men who was, who used to be slaves. And they oh, would basically- that connection. Yeah, so basically then they used to, they used to dress up in, in gowns, in dresses, um, but it was, it was like really secretive. So the invites do you want to guess where you think the invites might have been distributed through um oh god where would i put an invite if i was a a slave is did you say slave or ex-slave they're not slaves anymore all the slaves have been freed by this point um but they were all they all you were born into slavery okay where would i put an invite if i was somebody who'd been born into slavery and was about to start hosting drag balls that weren't even people didn't even know what that was then so I'm going to guess, um, you know, in streets where they have just kind of those, um, I want to say lampposts, but it's not a lamppost. And they put up those little phone number things and you can take a little phone number. Uh-huh. I'm going to say it was in code and it was a little phone number off of a poster. Okay, I'm going to give you another clue. It's an okay. establishment that is still around today. Studio 54. I'm probably completely the wrong generation. No. <laughs> it's really fun to stay there apparently the ymca yeah so i didn't even know the ymca was around in the 1880s that that baffled me a little bit but yeah so basically they sent the invites out at places like the ymca i don't think we've ever kind of told the listeners what we do but in the job line that we do we work really closely with the ymca in lincoln and obviously the ymca kind of in general and it's not at all somewhere that I would think of as a queer space at all. Um, so it's really interesting that obviously back in the day that that was kind of a space where that could be communicated. I find that really interesting. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, it's probably gone through phases over periods of time that have been, you know, it's, it's kind of been more suited towards different people, I guess. But basically they would gather to dance in like satin and silk dresses like really pretty dresses and what I think is quite maybe amusing from that time is the newspaper articles that were reporting on like police raids or anything would always go into like really big detail on how beautiful the dresses were like and it was just completely irrelevant to the to the article that they were publishing but basically he was arrested many many times on police raids 
and he was basically arrested for female impersonation and it's the first recorded arrests for that crime in American history. Basically, he was, um, his kind of gown was completely torn at one point because he was fighting back against against the police at one of these raids. And a funny thing that I read that he said was, he said to the policeman, you ain't no gentleman because he was manhandling <laughs> ladies. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I was reading something the other day um, about something called the three article rule. I'm not meaning to steal your history thunder, but I'm not sure how much truth there is to it, but it was basically that in America, um, as long as you were wearing three pieces of clothing that were from the gender you were assigned at birth, then they couldn't arrest you. And it wasn't actually a law, but it was taken from like old carnival law and rules and stuff like that. Um, and that they couldn't arrest you as long as you had three pieces of clothing on that were the correct clothing in that time for your assigned gender. Um, which is how yeah. a lot of in the, in, in the riots kind of like drag queens and things would get away with it because they would wear at least three items of clothing that were like assigned as, like you know seen as male items of clothing back then okay. that's a history thing for us to look up another day <laughs> so basically this kind of fight with the police is also one of the first known instances of violent resistance in the name of lgbtq rights so before mm-hmm. stonewall before all of that obviously so they described the dress as a gorgeous dress of cream colored satin and that it was torn and the article really focused on how nice the dress was and the fact that it got torn in the fight and not actually <laughs> what the fight was wow. about. Yeah. So anyway, he was arrested loads of times for that, kept doing it. In 1896, he was convicted for keeping a disorderly house and sentenced to 10 months in prison. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's something you could be sentenced to, I feel like I could be sentenced for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to guess what... Do you want to guess what keeping a disorderly house is kind of a euphemism for? Uh, having lots of people stay over. No, no. It was euphemism for running a brothel. That's the same as having lots of people stay over. I was halfway well, no, there. Because, That's halfway no, but, there. But you could have a lots of people, lots of people stayed over at mine after graduation. It wasn't a fucking brothel, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Basically, he wasn't running a brothel. It was just this drag house. And that was the only way that they could, the police could kind of work it. So he would get put in prison, basically. It's just so, baffles me even to this day, the effort that they would go to, to be homophobic. Yeah. The effort levels. <laughs> the effort. Um, so I'm going to read you now a clipping from the Evening Star from back in 1896. Okay, okay, so it's, it, I might struggle to read it a bit. One, because I'm dyslexic, and two, because it's written in old, styly kind of talk. But I just think it's really interesting. Oldy English. Mm hmm. Or American y. No, it's still English. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still English, Holly. <laughs> so, William Dorsey Swan, the coloured man at whose house, number 1504 L Street Northwest, a drag, was raided about two weeks ago and who was convicted in the police court last week of a charge of keeping a disorderly house, was sentenced to 10 months in jail by Judge Miller today. This is the case in which a number of men, white and coloured, were found in this place, which Judge Miller characterised as a hell of iniquity. There were several... A hell of iniquity? A hell of iniquity. Okay, not a den of iniquity then, a hell. No, a hell of iniquity. Um, There were several coloured men and one white man reported to be of the character of Swan, which I assume means gay. 
when they yeah. say they're, they're of the character of him, um, of the character of Swan. And during the trial the, of the case in court, there appeared young men of respectable parentage who told of parentage. how they who told of how they had visited this place, danced and indulged in strong drink of all kinds, from beer to champagne. Oh, strong drink, that sounds is. Like, sounds like a party. <laughs> in disposing of the case, Judge Miller told of the fearful revelations made at the trial, the downfall and ruin of young men, and said he only wished he had the power to impose a 10-year sentence on Swan. He said, I would like to send you where you would never again see a man's face said the Awful. judge and would then like to rid the city of all other disreputable persons of the same kind thieving and petty assaults amount to nothing as compared with the conduct of these people wow thieving and petty assaults don't amount compare. to nothing amounts yes. to nothing to compared basically being these. gay practicing drag yes um so it's really sobering isn't it it is so he was then sentenced to 10 months in the end for that basically upon his release he actually requested a pardon from president cleveland so this was denied but it was the first american on record to take legal action to protect the lgbtq community's right to gather so it's really really uh, like an important piece of um of queer history and i think it's just mental and also u.s attorney um a.a bernie's response to this pardon is this petition is wholly without merit. While the charge of keeping a disorderly house does not on its face differ from other cases in which milder sentences have been imposed, the prisoner was in fact convicted of the most horrible and disgusting offences known to law, an offence so disgusting that it is unnamed. This is not the first time the prisoner has, has been convicted of this crime and his evil example in the community must have been most corrupting. And that is the basis on why his pardon was declined. But basically, they're acknowledging in that, if you go about, read it a roundabout way, that even though people who were basically convicted for having a brothel and running a brothel, they didn't get 10 months, they got less time, but he was convicted of longer because, you know, because of homophobia. And yeah, so basically, he stopped organising the balls, you know, when he got a bit older, um, but his brother kept making costumes for the drag community, and actually two of his brothers were active participants in the balls. That's nice that there was still some potential family support there then, you know, that this wasn't somebody yeah. who was completely disregarded from his, you know, from his family and his, it sounds like his community. It sounds like he had probably quite a few people rooting for him, even in, yeah. even though, you know, he was being arrested and convicted. Yeah, so it, see, it seems like that anyway. Um, and also, apparently, he was close to two gentlemen called Pierre, Pierce Lafayette and Felix Hall who are the first documented same-sex male couple who were previously enslaved. Oh, wow. So that's fabulous. So also, if anyone does want to learn more about William Swan, um, there's a book coming out in 2021 by Channing Joseph uh, called The House of Swan, Where Slaves Became Queens. So that will be out this year, oh. which is, it'll be really good to read. I think I'm really looking forward to reading that. What an amazing yeah. title as well. I mean... Hard-hitting title. It is a it's a really hard-hitting title, but you know I think it's an important story, and it's one that I hadn't heard until a few weeks ago, and 
I kind of questioned how I'd never heard of it before. Do you know what I mean? That he's like, he was the first to do so many things for the LGBTQ plus community, yet I'd never heard of him. And I think it's really important for us, you know, as kind of, don't ask me whether we're millennials or Gen Z or anything. We had that debate the other day, didn't we? But, we did, um, I'm a millennial. You know, I think I was just out, wasn't I? But I, I'm yeah. going to call myself a millennial because that's where I <laughs> that's where I identify but anyway you know I think it's really important for us as millennials and and any younger generations coming to keep reading and like finding out about the history regarding these kind of people these people that made the way for where we are now and to try and acknowledge and recognize you know the communities that came before us because you know they they've contributed so much to where we are now and I think it's really important that no matter you know what's happening in the world we live in at the moment that we're still looking back and registering the people that came before us and the people that you know when I'm trying to support and pave the way for the LGBTQ plus community myself like who was doing that before um who gave me the freedom to talk about it as as easily as we are now you know we start we've started a queer podcast and these are the people we have to thank for that yeah definitely and it's just it, just to think of all the stuff that they had to go through back then, it, it is just baffling that they had the strength and kind of the courage to still mm. carry on. Do you know what I mean? Because part of you would kind of want to, I think it's give up. If you were mm. facing, you know, being arrested and being beaten up and this and mm. that, like part of you would just want to be like, is it worth it? And plenty but- of people probably did give up, you know, and plenty of people did kind of have lavender marriages and, you know, kind of do the things that that actually we we have the freedom to do now so yeah those individuals that really stood up and really fought for their identity and other people's identities you know take my stripy rainbow colored hat off to them (laughs) and yeah I'm also going to say that I did attempt to read correctly the clippings from the National Archives in America for those quotes in there um however I am dyslexic and they were written in not Stop in the English we use today EU. so if it is not accurate I don't want to be accused of misleading the audience that is just my ability to read so <laughs> Polly do you want to take it away yeah so I mean wow that was quite a powerful um individual that you chose there and I think that the individual that I've chosen is kind of powerful in a different way um so I chose my my mystery person my mystery historical they're not that historical but my mystery Ooh. figure that I want to tell you all about um when I was designing the logo for our podcast um I was putting the LGBT flag on there and um you know this year particularly the rainbow as it were has been used in lots of different contexts it's been um you know there to support the NHS and it's been you know a sign of hope and prosperity um and it got me thinking about where you know where the LGBTQ plus rainbow pride flag came from, um, and I decided to look into it. So, oh. with that, with that, who designed it? I will tell you. the The man, literally, kind of uh, creditable for the rainbow flag being synonymous with the LGBTQ plus um, and queer community, is a man called Gilbert Baker, which again is a great name. Gilbert. Gilbert. That's Gilbert Baker. Such a great name. I feel like we need to um, bring these names back. Yeah, I'm going to call my next pet Gilbert. (laughs) I'm not going to have another pet. But anyway, right, let me go. So Gilbert was born in 1951, so in the 50s. So he's not quite as historical time-wise as as William was. Um, But yeah, so Gilbert was born in the 50s um, and he unfortunately passed away in March 2017. So um, about five years ago? Yeah, four years ago. 
four years four years five years okay well we, I, we I, said at the start ma- maths is not your strong suit is it so we'll let you maths off maths and science <laughs> yeah not my thing however what is my thing is art and creative visuals and graphics and absolutely love all of that so yeah when I um when I was looking into Gilbert I found the story behind um his design and the fact that he came up with the idea of using um the LGBT flag really really fascinating um and I just thought you know what it's something I mean, a lot of people might know, but I did not know this. You know, I have got T-shirts with this flag on. I've got um, badges. I've even got temporary tattoos. Um, you know, I've represented it at Prides, but I did not know where it came from. And I think that that is something that I would like to um, enlighten the listeners of Querio too. Yeah, I so. mean, I've got, I wore shoes today with it on the side of. I've got like a pair of Vans that have got the flag on the side. That's literally how I knew she was gay. She walked into the office with rainbow Vans on and I, my gaydar just went ding. <laughs> I didn't think it was that obvious because it's only like a small stripe down the side of the shoe. It was enough. As, <laughs> as a fellow queer, it was enough. I knew. <laughs> and was I wrong? Was I wrong? No. Cool. So Gilbert Baker was a world famous political activist, designer, and he was actually a flag maker. So kind of connects the dots there. It makes plenty of sense. Um, and he actually created the rainbow flag in 1978, which again, I thought, you know, that was a lot later than I was expecting. However, um, prior to that, the flag that was kind of used to represent queer culture um, was the the pink triangle. And that was actually, this is quite dark, but um, it was actually kind of a Nazi representation of the queer community that was kind of used as punishment and to identify people that were gay. Um, so the fact that when the rainbow flag kind of came in um, and was created by Gilbert to kind of represent the queer community, it took it away from that kind of dark, like negative place that was representing the community and took it to somewhere much, much more kind of positive and bright and amazing. So I'll tell you a little bit about kind of the story of how he created it. So yeah, according to Gilbert's website, which is still running and it's got loads of really interesting information on it, um, which is gilbertbaker.com, Nice and simple, that one to remember. Yeah, so Gilbert was a flag maker. Um, I can't pronounce what that's actually called. A vexillographer. There you go, a vexillographer. Um, and he did that for nearly 40 years, which I think is incredible, you know, to really commit to your craft for, for that long amount of time. Okay, yeah, so back in back in the 70s, um, the pink triangle was the kind of symbol for the gay movement. Um, but it kind of represented a lot of really dark history around the LGBTQ plus community. It was used World War Two uh, during World War Two, and it was used to, you know, identify people who were homosexual, um, in the same way that kind of the Star of David was used against Jews. So it was a li- it was a Nazi tool. Um, and kind of I think that according to Gilbert's website he felt that they needed something positive that really celebrated the community and celebrated you know what they had achieved in the in those kind of years and how far they'd come on um so his little story on his biography which I think is really interesting is that he was kind of looking at flags in general he was looking at the flags he'd made in his career he was looking at the American flag and the flag from the French Revolution um And he was thinking about how all of those flags kind of began with a riot. They began with change and rebellion and revolution. Um, And according to his website, he thought thought that the gay nation um, should have a flag too to proclaim its own idea of power. So when he was looking at those flags, yeah, which I love, that's a great, great idea. So when he was looking at the different rainbows and different colours, he felt that 
it what it needed to be something that represented everybody because the queer community you know it it was far and wide and it included all different sexualities genders so I think if you look back at kind of the the late 70s when he came up with this idea of the rainbow flag and put those colors in that flag kind of style um you know it was a really different time you know there were beautiful movie stars and the LGBT community were kind of coming out and there was lots of color and you know people were going to discos and it was an amazing time and and passion and color it was all kind of there um and he says that he actually kind of was looking at disco ball and he saw kind of the color and the swirls of the light and it was like a rainbow um and he said a rainbow that's the moment when i knew exactly what kind of flag i would make the original flag um back in 1978 was made of eight colors and there was a kind of specific meaning that he attributed to each color um, but then in 1979, it changed and it, it was cut down to just six colours. And that was after the assassination of Harvey Milk. The demand for the rainbow flag massively increased. So to meet the demand, the Paramount Flag Company began selling a version of flag using stock rainbow fabric. And the seven colours were red, orange, yellow, green, turquoise, blue and violet. Um, and as Gilbert ramped up the production of that flag, um, he too dropped the hot pink stripe that was in the original um, because that pink fabric was actually not available. So it's really interesting how those kind of different um, factors are actually kind of what influenced the flag that we use in this day and age. And it's I know just that the colour not being available. <laughs> Literally, the reason there's no pink in the flag, in that typical rainbow flag, is because they didn't have enough of that material. Um, but I think when we're wearing it, you know, we don't think that, do we? We think about what those colours mean to us. And that's the beauty to me of the idea of using that rainbow flag is that it can mean kind of different things to everyone. Um, and Gilbert kind of famously said, what I liked about the rainbow is that it fits all of us. It's all the colours. It represents all genders. It represents all races. It's the rainbow of humanity. Um, and I think that's really beautiful because for me, the LGBT community has been about inclusivity and about finding my place to belong. And the fact that we're representing something, it's not just a rainbow in the sky, it's representing the rainbow of humanity. I mean, guys, that's poetry. <laughs> this guy shouldn't have been a flag maker. He should have been a poet. <laughs> and you know what I really like as well now is it's kind of been taken kind of further as well, which I'm sure you'll probably get onto. Mm-hmm. Um, but also every kind of part of the community has their own flag in a way that they can use if they want to. It's like, you've got the bisexual flag, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, the lesbian flag, the trans flag, as well as like the kind of the catch all, which is this, the rainbow flag. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a difficult choice when I was designing the logo for the podcast. I I, I mean, I always wear my bi pride um, badge. That's a bit of a tongue twister, bi pride badge. Um, yeah, my bi pride badge. Um, I have it on my lanyard at work quite often. Um, I have it on kind of coats and pockets and things like that. Um, and I love identifying that. And it was kind of a decision, wasn't it? I said to you, you know, do you want me to put the lesbian flag on your little cartoon character um and we chose to because obviously it's really nice having something that kind of represents our identity specifically as well as this overarching rainbow of um support so obviously we have gilbert baker to thank for the beautiful kind of rainbow flag that represents our identities and our community so much um but obviously a lot of you probably know that back in 2018 a graphic designer named daniel quasar and again apologies if i'm pronouncing that wrong Um, added like a five colour chevron to the LGBT rainbow flag to kind of increase the idea of inclusion and progression. So the flags, I mean, we still, most of the community still use the standard six colour rainbow flag, Um, but obviously you can still get kind of the updated version, um, which was part of a project called Progress Pride Flag Reboot. Um, And it was kind of conceived as an idea of 
including all of the sexualities, you know, the whole LGBTQIAAP, um, that was a mouthful, community, um, which is a nice idea that even though this is kind of originally was designed around the idea of inclusivity, we're kind of making sure that everybody still feels included. I think that, I think that's really nice. Like, I, I remember when I first saw it. The new one. The new one. Initially, I wasn't a massive fan of the Chevron added on. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay it's very busy as someone with a graphic design interest it is quite busy visually um yeah it's quite busy however I now really really like that version it's grown on me I I do like the version with all the other colors added in yeah so I think that I particularly like it as well because obviously adding the black and brown stripes is kind of a reference to queer people of color and how obviously kind of um you know the fight against racism is still a massive part of the LGBT community as well and they're not kind of exclusive separate issues that they actually cross over quite a lot um, and to include that is a really nice way and especially as well adding kind of the trans colors because actually we need to acknowledge the trans community more in our generation yeah exactly another way that um gilbert baker described the rainbow flag is that the idea of the rainbow you know the the rainbow that we form in the sky all of the colors um it's kind of one of the earliest recorded symbols in history as, as a symbol of hope and i think that especially in today's day and age when we you know we're constantly looking for inspiration and, and kind of looking for things that give us that sense of hope it's really nice that we've still got that connection to that flag yeah, yeah, I think I think that's really nice that we can look back at like where it's come from and understand who created it and you know how it started because I think that's a symbol that we, you know, is synonymous with the queer community now. But do people know where it came from? I really don't think I don't think they do. I think unless you've got a design interest, you don't know. I it sounds really silly. I kind of just thought it was a universal thing. You know that it always been recognised, but to actually learn that history behind the fact that originally the LGBTQ plus community were branded with these pink triangles and that it was a move away from that negative dark time and a, a reclaiming of hope and the community. I mean, I'm going to wear it with so much more pride now, actually knowing all the history behind it. Yeah. So just as a note to anyone, what we'll do is anything that we have quoted today, any resources we've used for this information, uh, we'll pop it into the podcast info as well. So you can go and read exactly what we've said if we've quoted someone. And also you can read up a little bit more if you want to. It's that time of the podcast, guys. We've decided to make a regular segment on our Querio podcast. We oh. realised the other day uh, that we absolutely love doing BuzzFeed quizzes. Who doesn't? Yes. Who doesn't love finding out what type of avocado they are? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one type of avocado, but you get my gist. I, I so, don't know if there is. I don't know. That's No, wait, wait, wait. We have to Google this now because I feel like there's more than one type of avocado. We need a countdown clock from Countdown while you Google whether there's multiple (laughs) types of avocado. Um, There is. There is three types. There's three types of avocado that I can find. Oh, no. She sounds like she's in the supermarket. (laughs) 50 different varieties of avocado, technically. The main three are the Haas avocado, which is the ones that we would see in the supermarkets. The Pasea Americana and the Maluma just mind blown you know what that's been more interesting than any of the history to me i can't believe there is that many types of avocado it's everywhere everywhere i do love (laughs) them though 
the hipster vegans in London could never. So this week I am going to be the quiz master. I have chosen the quiz for AJ. So AJ is going to answer me. Some of the um, pictures are descriptive pictures for the answers. So I'm going to describe them and you can tell me which description you would choose because I'm not going to send you the pictures. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? I picked this quiz specially for you because I know how much you're dying to know the answer. Dying. Oh, God. Okay. So the quiz we're going to do today is build your dream bowl of pasta and we'll reveal when you'll meet your soulmate. Oh, there we go. Oh, That's quite a good ready. one. I know. Yeah, I thought it was. Who doesn't Thank love you. pasta and finding out when you'll meet your soulmate? I mean, that's just a good way to spend your Thursday evening. Carbs and love. It's all you need. <laughs> Not wrong. Okay, so the first question is, choose the perfect bowl for your pasta creation. Now I'm going to describe them. There's a wooden bowl, a blue bowl with like kind of a oriental pattern. I thought you um, said blue bowls then for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I said. You don't eat pasta out of that generally. <laughs> okay, so a wooden bowl, a blue oriental bowl, a white bowl that kind of looks like Laura Ashley with some flowers on it, um, a kind of dog bowl, um, another wooden bowl. This one's more orangey and kind of a black and white Aztec pattern bowl. Which bowl? The wooden bowl, please. Okay. The, the yellow wooden bowl or the orange wooden bowl? Orange wooden bowl, please. Okay, we've got it. Yes. Pick. It really annoys me that this is American. So it says pick a type of noodle. What it means is pick a type of pasta. So would you pick okay. rigatoni, which is like the round tubey things, penne, uh -huh. which is like the round tubey things with a slight slant on the end, uh, fettuccine, which is like the flat long pieces. I have no idea what cavatappi is, but it looks like macaroni. Okay. Farfalle, which again, pronouncing that horribly, but it's like the bows or spaghetti. Oh. See, it depends Ooh. on the filling, but we won't get into it, that. It does. Um, can we go with the bows? Yeah, we'll go with the bows. Okay. So next question, choose a sauce. Luckily, I can just read these. Pesto, marinara, carbonara, bolognese vodka or alfredo <laughs> alfredo and i'm joking and um, that reminds me of that chocolate bar you used to get from the spa when you were a kid yeah I alfredo, alfredo. yes yeah, <laughs> and okay i'll say that um, one again i'll say that one um, again. no 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 you're not getting away with that one oh. <laughs> well, <you're not. laughs> um i would oh i do come on we're working to a time pesto, pesto love pesto okay pick a veggie to mix in your pasta broccoli ugh, that's grim zucchini eggplant red peppers peas or spinach none of those sound that nice in pasta but okay that's no, like courgette. courgette courgette is nice yeah zucchini yeah courgette pasta is nice pasta. wait no but i've chosen a pesto sauce yeah but i've already clicked zucchini so you're having oh courgette. okay now add a meat. This is in so enthusiastic. I love it. Meatballs, chicken, scallops, shrimp, salmon, or no thanks. I said meat, and then three of those were fish. <laughs> um, chicken. Okay, basic, but okay. What type of cheese are you putting on top? Parmesan. It, it's not basic because. Pesto would not go with shrimp. Uh, suppose if I'm okay. if I'm thinking logically about how this would taste now. 
Okay, what type of cheese are you putting on top? Parmesan, pecorino, mozzarella, goat's cheese or ricotta or all of them? Can you repeat them? My brain went mushy halfway through because I was just thinking about cheese. (laughs) What type of cheese are you putting on top? Parmesan, pecorino, goat's cheese, mozzarella, ricotta or all of them? Mozzarella. Yeah, it's a good choice with the pesto. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the second to last question now. So next question is choose a garnish and your options are oregano, basil, parsley, red pepper flakes, so chili flakes, and cracked black pepper or all of the above. Oh. This is some basil. hard work to meet your soulmate. Basil. You've already basil. got pesto. You're not even going to taste the basil. Oh, wait. Okay. No, let, let's not. No, 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 no. I forgot about the pesto. Um, Pepper. Yeah, that was a good choice. Okay. All of the above would have been a right flavor sensation. Okay. Final question then. Finally, choose a side to go with your incredible pasta meal. The options are, and there's some good options. Garlic bread. Mozzarella sticks. Caesar salad, bruschetta, calamari, or a caprice salad. Do you know what all those things are? I don't mean to be patronising. Oh, rude. Um, not going to lie, I don't know what a caprice salad is. Okay, so it's slices of fresh tomato and mozzarella and basil all sliced and layered up. That's the one okay. I was indicating anyway. I know that I'm the foodie. Yeah, okay, so... I love so let's, let me describe your dish just so you're, you remember what you're having. Okay, I know we're thinking into this. So you've got a brown bowl and you've got little bow-shaped pieces of pasta in a pesto sauce with courgette, chicken, mozzarella, black pepper, and your side will be? Calamari. That is a really weird choice. <laughs> okay. A calamari with pasta. Okay, well, right. Well, Cal- no, wait, wait, wait. It's because... oh, I just clicked the results. I no, just, it's fine. I just clicked the results. Okay, right. So basically, I chose calamari because I've already put mozzarella on, so I don't want mozzarella sticks, and I don't want a salad with pasta. Mm. And, and what's wrong yeah. with garlic bread? I just, Did I just ever- didn't fancy it. No, I don't know how okay. close to eating this this meal that I'm going to meet my soulmate. I don't want garlic breath that's very true do you want so i have clicked the results and it is juicy do you want to know your results aj you have built your dream bowl of pasta and buzzfeed has revealed that you will meet your soulmate it says you've already met them oh and then it says (laughs) and then it says "Ooh, anyone coming to mind i wish you two a lifetime of happiness (laughs) Hey, maybe it's not romantic soulmate. Maybe we're friendship soulmates and that's how you've already met me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of that, I am looking forward to that new program coming out on Netflix about like this futuristic world where there's a scientific match to find your perfect soulmate. It looks very interesting. Black Mirror-esque. Well, I will update everyone if my soulmate does turn out to be someone I've already met. Well, at least the legwork's done. If I already know them, I've just got to figure out who it is. True, and share your pasta with them. Share the pasta and the calamari.
So these episodes of Querio will be released fortnightly on a Friday. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, remember to like, rate and subscribe wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, stories or topics you'd like us to cover in the future episodes, then you can contact us on Instagram at Querio underscore pod or you can email Querio.podcast at gmail.com. Querio! Querio. <laughs> that was so bad we did that. <laughs>